Get away to Wanaka this autumn. We dive into the thriving food and beverage scene. Check out some family crowd pleasers that won't cost you anything. Dip into local culture and soak up the world-beating adventures in the great outdoors of Wanaka. We're back with Kiwi Tripsters Travel Podcast. Get ready and take off to spectacular destinations as we continue our journey and share the inside word on all things travel. Whether it's luxury travel or backpacking on a budget, whether it's cruising or foodie trips, we've got you covered with top tips and tricks so you can have an amazing travel experience. And now, over to your hosts, Mike Yardley and Andrew Seppi. Welcome aboard Kiwi Tripsters. I'm Andrew Seppi. I'm Mike Yardley. Good to see you, Michael. Very good to see you. Are your trees starting to don their autumnal coat, Andrew? Uh, they are indeed. Last time you called it fall. Yes. It is actually autumn. Happy fall, y'all. Uh, yes. Not that again. Yes, yes, I love autumn. The crunchy leaves. The, yes. Uh, yeah. I do like a bit of crunch. I do like a bit Underfoot. of crunch. Underfoot. Yeah. Right. Yes. There are very few places on earth that can match the theatre of autumn that unfurls in Wanaka. The four seasons are perfectly illustrated and so distinctively in Wanaka. And before we explore the goodies in town, let's head down the Mount Aspiring Road. Oh yes, fanning out from Wanaka Township, this is the most amazing road, 54 kilometres in length from the town right down to the National Park. And I reckon, Andrew, it's like a golden gateway to goodness. It is. I've worked a while on that line, a golden gateway to goodness. (laughs) even wrote it down. <laughs> I did. Go on. So uh, what you've got here is essentially a world-class wilderness route because it opens the door on so many outdoorsy attractions. Obviously, if you're a skier, you probably know this road as the gateway to Triple Cone in winter. Um, but the road is blessed with jaw-dropping scenery. It takes you to so many awesome trails and, of course, our one of our greatest Alpine National Parks. Um, so easy to do for the road tripper. I was down there recently and I have to say, Andrew, this road fast became my very familiar friend. I just kept heading back, <laughs> dipping into more and more of its roadside treasures. Okay. Um, and an early highlight as you head out of Wanaka Town is Glendhu Bay. Yep. Glendhu Bay. Yep. Hmm. Scottish in origin, I think. Glendhu, you know. Glendhu, yeah. Yes. Like the moors. Yes. It's such a serene setting as you round the corner and you first lay eyes on this delicious bay, Glendhu Bay. And they've got a classic Kiwi campground right on the lakefront, a really cool location for camping. Glendhu strikes me as a reminder as how Wanaka, the township, felt to me when I was a kid before the world woke up to it. So yeah. if you go back to like the 80s. When it was still the secret. Yeah, before, just a bit sleepy. Before people like you ruined it. That's, it. that's very true, yeah, Andrew. True, yeah. Yes, yes. So there um, is still that sort of lazy, unruffled innocence uh, at Glendhu Bay. By the way, if you're up for some two-world frolics, mm-hmm. um, Glendhu is home to Wanaka's newest bike park. They've got 30k of trails there. And also a really cool option if you are staying in Wanaka is you can uh, take a bit of a burn down the Millennium Track, which is a superb option connecting Glendhu with Wanaka's CBD skirting along the Great Lake. I probably read the worst joke of my life this week. Yes. And it was, uh, do you realise that Neil Diamond used to be called Neil Cole until the pressure got to him? Anyway, so, <laughs> but there, <laughs> there is a Diamond Lake uh, near this area and it is a very, very nice place. It is such a cool lake, Neil Diamond Lake. Um, a little princess <laughs> of a lake with all due respect to Neil. 
<laughs> just a wee bit further up the road from Glendu Bay, Diamond Lake. So what I would suggest you do, make sure, make sure you go there early in the morning to see it at its mirror best because it's got this very deep blue surface and it possesses the most incredible reflective powers of the high schist cliffs that back the lake. And if you're up for a climb, the trail takes you around the cliffs to a series of lookouts and you just seem to be gazing down from a higher and higher elevation uh-huh. at this jewel-like body of blue. It's like gazing down on a big ink pot, Andrew. Um, and if you really want to uh, unleash your inner mountain goat, you can then go even further up in elevation on the Rocky Mountain Trail. And this just serves up the most extraordinary views right across the region. You can see the vast expanse of Lake Wanaka, which is a massive lake. Um, It's a real blockbuster walk. And all up, it will take you about three hours return. Okay, so if you you want a bit more than just a bit of a stroll, rock climbing, this area has a whole heap of it. Yeah, right across the road from Diamond Lake, actually, um, you are in rock climbing Nirvana. And I suspect if you're into your... Uh, climbing of one's rocks. <laughs> you will probably know that the Wanaka region boasts the most um, number of dedicated rock climbing routes in New Zealand. Huh. So there's this area right across the road from where you turn off to go to the lake, Diamond Lake, called Hospital Flat. And it's the most incredible schist strewn. Mountainside and really, to be honest, I just love schist. (laughs) I (laughs) love you were waiting for that. I was sorry. The cool thing is, even if you don't want to do the climbing of one's rocks yourself, it's just so cool to watch human ants navigating their way on the cliffs and the boulder landforms in these parts. Very, very cool fun. Very cool. Yeah. Now, the area is also home to Wild Wire Wanaka. Yes. Which is a tongue twister at, if, at the best of times. Yes. And this includes the world's highest waterfall cable climb. This is true. And before COVID entered our lives, mm. for international tourists, a lot of them coming to New Zealand considered going to Wild Wire as a must-do New Zealand experience. Um, and if it also Sounds a bit queasy to you. The good thing about rock climbing here is that you're doing it via a system they called Via Ferrata, which, as the name would suggest, is Italian in origin. Mm-hmm. And what it means is you are actually attached to a cable that is fixed to the cliff face mm. along the route. Um, so you've got like a carabiner on and you just navigate your way along a series of metal rungs or pegs and ladders uh, to reach however high you're going. So it is sort of like extreme adventure made safe, and there are a range of climbs you can do depending on your appetite for adventure. Uh, and that this whole continuous cable thing is yep. used in a lot of places. If you remember when we climbed the Sydney Harbour Bridge, yes. that was a continuous cable that yes. never broke. That's right. Yeah, yeah they, In fact, they probably consider that via ferrata. They probably do. Because we had a carabiner, we did. didn't we, attached yeah. to the cable. But apparently yeah. the cable had absolutely no breaks in it. That's and true. it was some, some yeah. fandangled system they worked out. Yeah. Now, at the start of Mount Aspiring Road, Roy's Peak is what has been called a landmark hike. I've yeah. never been convinced, and no. I've always thought I was a bit, and I reckon it's overrated, yeah? So do I. Yeah, yes. okay. Right. I think the problem is, well, maybe it's not a problem, but the issue is that 
amongst the Instagram set. Mm. What really governs their travels is where do I go for the best photo I can possibly get to impress my mates? So mm-hmm. a lot of people who have previously gone to Wanaka have headed up to the top of Roy's Peak, which is right behind the town. Um, and it's a lovely sort of pointy peak mm. that they stand on to get this fabulous photo. The views are incredible, but the thing which I make thinks uh, makes it overrated is the fact that Getting up there, it is such a gut buster. It's about six hours, right? But it's boring. It's just this zig, <laughs> zag, zig, zag, zig, zag route all the way up the top so it's in open zigs. terrain. Right. Yeah. 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 It's not very scenic until you actually get to the end to see the view. Okay. Yep. Sorry, Roy. Your Sorry, pe- Roy. Your peak is a bit overrated. So, okay. <laughs> now you've got a better option, right? I do. I like a, a hike that is scenically rich, right? Mm-hmm. So if you head right down to the very end, end of Mount Aspiring Road, 54 kilometres in length, park up at Raspberry Creek. So you are right in the heart of the National Park at this point mm-hmm. and head off on the four-hour return Roy, uh, sorry, Rob Roy Glacier Trek. It's not arduous, but the variety of alpine scenery is breathtaking. You are taken through beech forest and then uh, the track takes in uh, a cleft in the canyon wall carved by Rob Roy stream, and you just have the most amazing view looking down at the thundering waters in this gorge, all frothing and churning over giant boulders. And finally, you reach the viewpoint to the great slithering carving ice giant of Rob Roy, which is a massive hanging glacier. And all along the walk, you've got cheeky, chirpy Kia, out in force. It is a banger of a walk, scenically thrilling. Okay, that's our travel tip. Forget Roy's Peak, go to Rob Roy instead. Brilliant. Yes. Mark that one in your calendar. Now, this is in Matukituki Valley, right? Yes, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of Mount Aspiring Road, either side of the road, you are in Matukituki Valley. And it's such a lovely, lonely, spectacular valley. You can feel like you've got this whole valley to yourself. Woolly, woolly wilderness. Woolly, woolly valley. <laughs> Absolutely, and so accessible on the Mount Aspiring Road. The calm of autumn is absolutely the best time to do it because obviously come winter you've got the rain and the snow which makes navigating the road too tricky and trying to do that Rob Roy Glacier Walk Mm, in winter, mm, just dangerous. Um, Avalanche risk for starters. So do it now and you will also be rewarded with the most amazing views of Mount Aspiring which is such a good looking mountain. I do like a good looking peak. Oh yes. And this thing is carved uh, into a four-sided pyramid, right, by yeah. ancient glaciers. So it's sort of like New Zealand's version of the Matterhorn in Switzerland. Not to be confused with the Matterhorn in Disneyland. Which, that is true, which yeah, was true. inspired by the Matterhorn in Switzerland. It was indeed. Yes. Um, so this is our highest and most glaciated mountain outside the Auraki Mount Cook region, Mount Aspiring. And I do love the translation of the Māori name. Uh, Tititia is what the Māori call it, which means steep peak of glistening white. So true. How lovely. Tititia. Just ahead, uh, where you can stay, right on the waterfront, the lakefront in Wanaka, and we dabble into the hospo scene. We'll be back in a tick. You're back with Kiwi Tripsters as we savour the delights of Wanaka. Now, Mike, um, great 
stays make for great holidays. And, of course, if a bad stay can ruin a holiday quite easily. Yes. Uh, what's your recommended roost? Um, seeing I like that alliteration. What's your recommended roost in Wanaka? Well, at the town end of Mount Aspiring Road, which we've just been talking about, mm-hmm. um, I don't reckon you can do better than Edgewater Wanaka. Your neighbour is Ripon Vineyard, and this is the most enchanting place to stay in Wanaka because the Edgewater, as the name would suggest, is the only accommodation in town that boasts absolute lakefront position. So there could be some other accommodation providers who would say, oh, we are are lakefront, but no, they're not because they've got a road separating them from the lake. I do. I, I have been to places where you, there's, a, there's a view of the harbour. Yes. Where, well, if you look out the toilet window and round that tree, you can yes. see the edge of the harbour. Right. Yeah, very, very true. Nice. So at the edge water, you've got an absolutely unblemished view of those waters, those prized poplars at this time of year. Wow. Mm. And that big rolling velvety lawn to loll around, Andrew. To loll. <laughs> uh, and Edgewater accommodation is generous, generously sized. I do like a generously, <laughs> generously <laughs> sized accommodation. Yeah, I do. I love my space. <laughs> and yes... Dotted across this very expensive site, um, you've got one and two bedroom self-contained apartments, and they're all super spacious, generously sized. (laughs) Uh, Bliss out, relax, unwind, and indulge, and you will definitely want to set the alarm for sunrise and the wonder that weaves across the, uh, the waters out your window, you know, as the sun pops up. Now, one thing you may have learned from this podcast is we're never far away from a glass of wine. Mm. So also on site, the Wine Glass Cafe, actually named, is good to go all day with a set menu (laughs) and very popular snacks like their famed super scones. If someone can tell us, Mm -hmm. why does Wanaka have a fetish with scones? I would love to know. But I have noticed that a number of outlets across the town, they boast they're scones, and at the Wine Glass Cafe, Edgewater Wanaka, they actually have a scone menu. Very tantalising range of scones. All sorts of ingenious flavour creations like apple scones with salted caramel and mascarpone. Uh, Crystallised ginger scones, for God's sake, with rhubarb and lime compote and whipped cream. Um, so, yes, if you're into your scones... Wow, you'll be in seventh heaven here. Dinner at the resort is an absolute must. Uh, A guy called Chris Nelson is the executive chef, and he has got such a genuinely strong sustainability ethos. Um, If you like your gnocchi, his autumnal gnocchi is absolutely superb, and I do recommend the stuffed pork belly, which includes field mushrooms, rocket olive oil, mash, and quince aioli. Yum. Mm, yeah, I do like a bit of gnocchi. Yeah. Uh, interesting, though, this camera. <laughs> <laughs> with scones. When, when So when we were kids, scones were associated with your grandparents. Totally. That was it. They're and kind they, of there with pikelets. They have. Yeah. I love pikelets. But they've made a, an absolute comeback. They have. And I can imagine uh, a lot of people go to Wanaka purely to eat, with yes. eating on their minds because the food is so divine. It is. And their hospo scene is so absolutely good. Yeah. And yeah. it's so competitive as well amongst uh, the various operators. And I think that's what keeps... Uh, the crossbar so high. Um, mm. The cafe culture is full of personality. If you have looked at that Wanaka tree, uh, which is 
a rock star on Instagram, I would say something nearly as iconic as that tree is a cafe called Kai Whakapai, which translates as food made good. What a cool name is that for a cafe? That's food made good in Māori. Yeah. Um, so you've got a sunny sprawl of outdoor tables at Kai Whakapai in very, very groovy Kiwi decor. It's a go-to for comfort food throughout the day. Uh, the cool kids love it. If your idea of breakfast, by the way, entails downing a mimosa or a Bloody Mary, Kai Whakapai is the place. Um, and don't miss their duck bowl buns and katsu fried chicken later in the day over a few cheeky cocktails. Andrew? So, Mike, uh, tell me about the big fig. There's a very Middle Eastern accent uh, to the big fig. Everything is made in-house. Mm-hmm. The luscious meat is free-range and slow-cooked. Their salads are legendary, and they boast a stunning range of vegan and vegetarian dishes as well. Um, what I love about the way they do things is you can choose from a small, medium, or large serving across their entire menu. So you can take yourself on a bit of an exotic journey by having a bit of this, bit of that, bit of the other. I headed there for breakfast, and um, their hot cabinet options are really cool. You know, a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about shakshuka. Shakshuka, they, your favourite breakfast. They do such a good version. Yeah. Big okay. thing. All right. Now, the Federal Diner. The Federal Diner has to be noted here because they... Mm, mm, mm. You know how we talked about scones. Uh, ah, scones are back. There is something about the cheese scones and the date scones at the Federal Diner because they just sell out every day. And when they're gone, they're gone. So you won't find two, three-day-old stale scones at the Federal Diner. Uh, lunch is all about very inventive sandwiches. Yeah. Um, dinner is the standout, though, I reckon. At the Federal Diner, my menu pick, slow-roasted merino lamb shoulder with white bean cassoulet and salsa verde. Mm. Yeah. All right. For <clears throat> To wet the appetite. Yes. Uh, to wet the throat. Um, yes. To uh, wet the whistle. Wet the whistle. That'll yeah. do. Yeah. Uh, Wanaka is home to four craft breweries and eight wineries. Yeah. And I'm sure you did plenty of... Um, Quaffing? Yes. And yes. sipping. Hmm. Yes. It would be rude not to. Definitely check out Wanaka Beer Works. Uh, this is one of the old timers in town. Uh, I think they've been operating since the late... Uh, 1990s, and they produce such a great range of handcrafted beers. The favourite for me would have to be Brewski Pilsner. I do love that name, Brewski. Mm. Uh, while you're visiting Beerworks, by the way, if you want something a little bit um, eclectic or novel to check out, they have got New Zealand's first craft beer vending machine. What? Yes. What? So you can press the button, you get that funk of the can as it comes out of the machine, oh. and it might well be a brewski. Um, I also really like Rhyme and Reason Brewery. There's some serious hoppy goodness going on within those walls. Um, such a great setup there. Mark Rikapa interior, cosy armchairs, custom graffiti artworks, and it's all a fully operational brew house. Very cool scene. I love it. Um, I'm still disturbed that you talked about old timers in the late 90s. I'm still stuck in about 1986. This is anyway, true. True. Hey, uh, wineries, <laughs> what are your pet picks of wineries? Well, so many great options. I do love Maud Wines, uh, Ripon that we mentioned next door to Edgewater. Such a dreamy setting at Ripon Vineyard, perched on the terraces above Lake Wanaka. And definitely check out Padden's Paddock. I'm sure you've heard of the name mm. Hayden Padden, mm. rally driver yeah, extraordinaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. His parents run Padden's Paddock, and it is such a gorgeous, unpretentious 
family winery. Well, calling it a paddock, it's already unpretentious, isn't it? <laughs> Excellent. Coming up, we stay on the wine trail because we are being joined by Joe Wade. Now, Joe is joining us from Wanahaka. More details soon. Back in a tick. Stay tuned. Kiwi Tripsters will be right back after this break. Nourish your soul with an autumn getaway in Wanaka. Crispier, incredible colours and the ideal temp for some hearty adventures. Hit the trail, savour the lake, gaze at glaciers, treat the family to some holiday frolics and soak up the region's superb food and beverage scene. Escape to play in Wanaka. LakeWanaka.co.nz You're back with Kiwi Tripsters, Mike and Andrew. Now on Mike's recent jaunt to Wanaka, he met up with Joe Wade, who has a very unique offering. The only wine tour in central Otago that connects the wines, the land with Maori culture and the history of the area. Hi, Joe. Welcome aboard. Ah, te koroa, Mike and Andrew. Thanks for having me on. Joe, give us the backstory to your very cool wine tour experience. How did it come about? Back in uh, 2016, I started uh, investigating, researching a little bit more into into the wine tour experience. And, and for me personally, you know, there's some incredible wine offerings down here in Wanaka, Queenstown, Cromwell, Alexandra, etc. The Central Otago experience. And um, I didn't want to be a glorified taxi driver, if that makes sense. So for me, it was about also being able to share with people the past while they're experiencing the present. So that, that was that was a really driving force. And obviously being of Māori descent from this region as well, it was really important for me to allow our manuhiri, our visitors, our guests, to get a deeper insight into Māori history and culture and footprint pre-European settlement from the gold rush in the 1860s onwards. And that's how the wine tour started to evolve. So it became Wine Tour and Māori Culture Wanaka and Wine Tour and Māori Culture Queenstown. And from those within it, we we get stories of the past and while they get to taste and enjoy the present while moving to the future. Okay, now if you don't mind me asking, was this designed with international visitors in mind? Because I'm sure this would appeal to our domestic visitors, our local whānau as well. Yeah, um, well, over the last two years, it has to a degree of it, but being an independent operator as I am, one thing I knew, I was at the coalface all the time. So you get real live feedback. There's nothing you hear from third or fourth parties. It's real live feedback from your um, customers. And that was the thing I would always ask was, why Why did you book this? And they said, well, for us coming to New Zealand, we, one, want to learn more about Māori culture, and two, we love wine. <laughs> so it ticked the boxes. So I think, you know, I've had quite a few bookings from through the country, but nothing like the volume that was coming in pre-COVID. Joe, just a bit of brass tacks, uh, 101 insights on your part of the world. The name Wanaka, is that a variation of Wananga? Yeah, or Te Wananga is, is a learning a learning institute. There's been a few um, interpretations, if you will. What, what we um, can understand historically is that the iwi of this region that did travel, Katima Maui and Kaitahu, and the, there was a third one, uh, Waitaha, they now form Naitahu, and um, Katima Maui and Kaitahu travelled through this region, uh, establishing 
a kainga nohonga, which was a seasonal form of settlement, and a kainga mahingakai. So that was a food settlement. And there, there are there are remains of those types. So for example, kumara, sweet potato, was here um, down around Dublin Bay area. So, uh, and there was an old umuti, earth-based oven, found out by Glendu Bay, as people now know it, in the present. And um, Makarora and uh, Manuhaia at the neck or the top of Lake Hawea, which is pretty much connects right beside Lake Wanaka as well. So, while they did have, there was a learning integration, if you will, um, around that. And Poanamu was obviously a big part of their journey. They did meet and cross paths across these things as well. So, there were three core settlements of what I've been advised, being Makarora or the Neck, the Neck specifically in Manuhaia, and uh, around between Dublin Bay and Roy's Bay in Wanaka, and also the junction of Motatapu and Matukituki Valley, out towards Triple Cone for any of your ski fans in the house. Yeah, so that was very much how it was, but I think what we've sort of also got to wrap our heads around is that the ability for Māori to travel through where most of their settlements were were on the east coast, you know, places we now know as Otahi, Christchurch, Otaputi, uh, Dunedin, etc., right down through to Invercargill. Um, they had to travel by foot. Okay, now you've got the travelling and the journeys in the history, but you've brought this into the now. You have e-bike wine tours. What can people expect on an e-bike wine tour? When I looked at it, developing and, and looking at the e-bike wine tour option, it was about doing something local, being, um, you know, really enhancing kaitiakitanga, so that we were embracing and enhancing being guardians and protectors of the land and our footprint. And obviously an e-bike wine tour is environmentally friendly. So it was about that, and it was also about doing something local. So what I wanted to do was take them on a, a little bit of a journey, uh, rather than in, in the hybrid vehicle, the Wanahaka hybrid, um, take them on, on a footprint and a journey where we could stop at a few different locations and actually get a feel, get a sense for what it was like and stand at those points. So it was about combining that and then obviously elaborating on what we do with the vineyards and also what we do with Māori history. So that was that was um, quite an important part. It's about a 21k round trip here in Wanaka. It doesn't matter you're on an e-bike, but it's, um, it's pretty flat anyway. And it covers, it covers basically Wanaka and the area uh, and three vineyards. So it's fantastic. And are they small group experiences? Yeah, you're pretty well. They've always been designed for around six people. I did have some of the local high school teachers on their Christmas function, and there was there, there was there was twelve of them then. Generally speaking, there's only around six because the local high school teachers, I'm familiar with them, and they know the land as well, so they weren't going to misbehave too much. Controversial question of the session, Joe. What's your favourite winery? My favourite? Well, it's it's like saying, well, I've only got one daughter, but it'd be like saying if you've got four kids, who's your favourite kid? I, th- I think there's, I mean, my favourite one, which isn't in the e-bike wine tour, but it is in the wine tour, is Māori Point Vineyard because they're out by terrace and it's isolated. You have to travel down a gravel road to get to it. But their history, their footprint, 
and who the owners are and how they do their wine is absolutely incredible. What I like is that, yeah, they're, they're not right in town. So they're actually not accessible. You've really got to go and look for them. Well, I thoroughly enjoyed going for a ride with you around the lakefront recently, and uh, we came across that Wanaka tree. If my memory serves me correctly, mm. that tree actually began life on a farm as a fence post, right? Okay. Well, you had f- half a dozen glasses of wine before that ride, obviously, Mike. So yeah, you, you need to pick up your story on that one. But I'm only joking, brother. I'm only joking. The Wanaka willow, or that lonely tree, um, or that hashtag, that Wanaka tree, essentially was about uh, 78 to 80 years ago. There was a fence line, and these willow posts were pretty much along that line. And as Mike sort of saw last week, when the lake is up, it actually covers the tree, no problem. But when it's low, which is like what it was, consistently day in, day out, back in that time frame, there was a, a whole a, a row. I mean, it's hard to talk about, but visually there was a whole, like a fence line. And above that fence line, people could walk and there were sheep and that, all that. You know, it's all been 70, 76 to 78, 80 years ago. So people could hover and move around in the area quite freely. Well, as the lake level started to rise and, and those issues started to happen, they said, right, well, we've actually got to dismantle this fence line. And they dismantled all the different willow posts. But this one post, which was, was actually very small, it wasn't even really anything at that point. They said, well, we'll just leave it there. The cover, water will cover it. And from that point, from what, I, again, what was told was that over the last 75 to 80 years, that willow post grew and grew and grew into what people now see as that Wanaka tree. Now, if people want to check out your full range of wine tours and also the fine accommodation that you have on offer in town, the website address is wanahaka.co.nz. That's W-A-N-A-H-A-K-A dot co dot N-Z. Thanks for joining us, Joe. Oh, pleasure, brother. Pleasure. Thank you, Andrew. Thank you, Mike Namahinui. And just ahead, we check out some family fun in Wanaka, back in the tick. Welcome back, and finally on this edition of Kiwi Tripsters. Uh, well, when you're taking the family away, there's always that uh, that expense thing, especially when you've got a whole brood in tow. So let's have a look at some family products to be held in Wanaka. Well, this is true. Some of the best experiences, I reckon, don't require opening your wallet. And if you look at Wanaka as a setting to take the kids to, I think all New Zealand kids love crunching on all of the the leaves that, you know, rain down in autumn. And the thing about Wanaka, as we mentioned earlier about the poplars Mm. around the lake, it's just a blizzard of leaf fall in Wanaka. So the kids go absolutely berserk, uh, crunching down on those millions and millions and millions of leaves, all a blaze of gold and brown. Uh, so, yeah, there are so many lovely walks around the lakefront from all sorts of different vantage points, whether it be Glenhu Glen Bay, Roy's Bay, um, or, or further around. So all of that, of course, won't cost you a dime. Yeah, no, true, but as any parent would know, taking the kids out, you're going to find that phrase, I'm hungry, cropping up soon. Uh, when are we having lunch? Well, for cheap eats and food to go, yeah. 
The colourful food truck scene in Brownston Street is a very good locale. So many cool offerings, I would have to say. And maybe I've got a fried chicken fetish coming on, but mm-hmm. Firebird. Oh, my goodness. You mm. do not want to miss the fried chicken at Firebird. And further down the road, this is where you need to take the kids, uh, Charlie Brown's Retro Caravan. And How cool. It is the most gorgeous retro caravan. Um, it's been a very familiar part of the furniture of Wanaka uh, for years. And this is the go-to for French crepes. So if the kids have been behaving and they perhaps deserve a treat, give them a crepe from Charlie Brown's. <laughs> now, if the weather's not behaving, which, you know, New Zealand, we mm-hmm. sometimes not, and you're looking for some indoor entertainment, yes. Wanaka has two very cool little cinemas. I reckon these are two of the best cinemas in New Zealand. Um, I've always had a soft spot for Cinema Paradiso, which... Uh, is the sort of place where you can just spread out on a comfy couch. They've even got a dentist's chair, if you'd p- prefer to recline in that to watch a flick. Uh, Sadistically inclined, perhaps. Yeah, not good memories. Uh, you could sprawl out. Actually, this would be you, Andrew. You mm-hmm. could sprawl out in an old Morris Minor. Oh, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. So all sorts of seating options at Cinema Parody. So, um, and then Wanaka is also home to the very eclectic boutique cinema Rubies, and I love rubies because you feel like you've been transported to New York circa 1920s. There's that sort of lush, glorious uh, vibe going on of old time New York. Now, you spoke of the old Morris Minor, lovely. Um, the cars I grew up with were like Ford Escorts and Ford Cortinas, which you can find at the National Toy and Transport Museum. Oh, yes. Now, this is apparently the Southern Hemisphere's largest private collection open to the public. And at last count, they've got over 60,000 aircraft, vehicles, and toys on display. Um, the museum's founder was a guy called Gerald Rhodes, and he was actually in the in the car and truck wrecking business. Mm. So his passion for collections began because his day job enabled him to be in the right places to pick up bargains at the right time, which is kind of cool. And it's cool. Um, so his kids now run the museum, but there are just so many amazing exhibits. Uh, you've got like a, a MiG jet fighter flown by the Polish Air Force. Uh, and in terms of the toys, well, where do you start? Smurfs, Skidoo's, Studebakers, you name it. It is there. It is like a treasure chest of transport and the world's biggest toy box, all put together. I love it. Do a quick Google search of National Toy and Transport Museum and their website actually lists all the things they have there in yeah. different categories. You could spend hours on their website. Go and have a look at it. The place is just, it's like a step into another world. It is. There's also Puzzling World. Yes. One of my earliest childhood memories of family holidays is of going to Puzzling World. So this was back in the late 70s mm-hmm. and Puzzling World has totally morphed over the course of its 50 years. It essentially used to be just like this little wooden maze. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. And now it is this gigantic head swirl of attractions, um, very much the illusion factor is big at Puzzling World. So it is a bit of a brain bender. Um, They've still got the maze, but it's now the great maze, and it is a great maze. Uh, But, yeah, there's a myriad of mind-bending amusements which will leave the entire family bewildered. Uh, Even the cafe tables come equipped with puzzles. So 
an absolute uh, must-do with the kids these holidays, Puzzling World. Go and get amongst it. That's it for this edition. Be sure to like our Facebook page and our show notes are available on the website, kiwitripsters.co.nz. Our companion articles to this podcast on exploring the Mount Aspiring Road and having a whale of a time in Wanaka are available at fortheloveoftravel.nz. Plus, we would love you to rate and review Kiwi Tripsters on the podcast platform of your choice. It is available everywhere, and we will catch you again in a fortnight. And that's a wrap for this episode of Kiwi Tripsters. Liked what you listened to? Then join us for our next episode of Kiwi Tripsters, where we bring you more travel inspiration, giveaways, and insider knowledge with expert guests on the show. Connect with us on Facebook and Instagram, and visit us on kiwitripsters.co.nz. But most importantly, subscribe and comment on Apple Podcasts, and tell us what you think of our show. Till next time, safe travels. Safe travels.